Western North Dakota, the men and women in blue are coming at you straight off the cuff. Good morning, listeners from the Dickinson Police Department. Good morning, Lieutenant Hanley. Hey, good morning, Lieutenant Clauser. How are you doing? Right, uh, life is good here on this fall Friday. Tried not to blow away the last couple of days. Yeah, it's, it's, it reminds me, winter's right around the corner. The old man bones are kind of creaking, so yeah. cold weather's right here. Yeah, October 14th, and uh, my, my whole thing is... Uh, Family-wise, always been like snow by snow by uh, Halloween, so we'll see. Yeah, we'll see if it was anything like last year. We're we're in for it. I, we, we got the bumper bump, the bumper reattached the Bearcat, so we're ready for that massive snowstorm again. Yeah, we get it again this year. Yes, I said the S word. I'm sorry. No, I apologize. I I'll bleep that out. We have uh, uh, had some real nice positive uh, feedback on our last podcast with one of our angels of the airwaves, uh, Tennille Wire, and I, I thought today just uh, before we dive into some of our uh, current. Uh, things happening inside the department. Start us off with maybe a quote just saw here. It's kind of fitting for our guest today, too, uh, that we have, but it is uh, just a, a framing of sorts for the listener. And it uh, it's from Teddy Roosevelt. So uh, many of you would have heard this one and saw this one around the, uh, the Rough Rider country and where we are. But it's simply this it says, Do what you can with all you have whenever, wherever you are. And, uh, Pretty well said there, and we got a guy today who's going to, uh, I think, kind of um, have that model, that little bit of uh, uh, around him, surrounding him, that we'll be able to highlight when we get into that conversation. That is kind of all-encompassing of him. That is a good quote that you brought up because I think that does kind of highlight, yeah, his 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 approach to uh, uh, law enforcement and investigations and stuff. So yeah, yeah. that'll be good. Yeah, that's I, th- I thought of him when I saw it. So. Hats off to you there before we turn it over. <laughs> turn it over to him. He's kind of smiling a little. So, uh, but I think uh, the listeners they really like to get that monthly update from us and what's happening around uh, this, uh, the, the Dickinson Police Department and the city in general and our uh, combination of the relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, first one I have for him is you know we're hiring up here, ladies and gentlemen, listeners out there, anybody paying attention that enjoy this podcast and are following us. Uh, we can go up to four spots. I think right now still. I think uh, I think five. Five okay. right now. Yep. Five. So we're, we're pushing and pedal to the metal on the recruiting right now. And, and uh, anywhere we can try to pick up some good men and women, right? we'll take them. Yeah, and it's, it's kind of the perfect storm of everything. And, and you look nationwide in any industry, you know, every, everybody's yes. really hiring as, as much as, as it is. And when you had this uh, top, this bullet point on you for the first discussion, I was really trying to think here the other day, you know, what's, what, what's been all of a sudden? Is it a combination of, of a bunch of stuff? And I think it is. I mean, you look, um, you, know, you know, nationally, uh, you know, the baby boomers are retiring. I mean, we, we kind of forget about that. I mean, that's a that's a massive bubble right there in the workforce that's kind of leaving. Um, I think it kind of maybe to the more, uh, maybe some more of the, again, causation, equal correlation, whatever. But you, you look at this, like like the fentanyl crisis that we got going on right now. Now you have the, you know, this component of the workforce that's, um, you know, not able to participate. Then on, then you get into the law enforcement side of it and, and just where our applicant pool has is, is really been dwindling, again, with, with the retirements of the baby boomers, obviously. Um, and then I, I hadn't kept track, but you look at the COVID-19 and how that's really uh, diminished our ranks. Um, I, I was looking at the Officer Down Memorial page. If um, none of our listeners out there are familiar with that, odmp.org, officerdownmemorialpage.org, they have a, uh, uh, a listing of, of every officer that's killed in the line of duty and the cause of that. And I, I didn't realize it's been, it was this high. We're over 800 officers since the pandemic started that, that have actually died 
from uh, from from COVID nineteen, and that doesn't account for those that are almost permanently out on medical leave and stuff like that. So you throw that mix in again. Eight hundred doesn't sound like a lot in the grand scheme of things, but now you're backfilling. You know, you're covering those shifts for those departments, and thankfully around here and in, in, even in North Dakota, we were maybe not. Uh, um, we haven't suffered as much from that. So, so that, that's a good thing. But nonetheless, we're still in just like every other agency in the state from, from the terms of uh, recruiting and retention. Um, we're in the same boat um, as everything else. So um, it may, may be a good plug there for, I guess, what we're trying to do as far as recruiting and retention, some of the ideas that we've been coming up with. Yeah, I mean, right now at the table, we're trying to encourage some sign-on bonuses, uh, financial incentives out of the gates. So these young people in a state where we, you know, um, current state of affairs, inflation is upon everybody mm-hmm. right now. Nobody is immune to that. Uh, finding different ways to help people's checkbooks out. Um, all that stuff is uh, from the Dickinson Police Department side being pushed. And, and I think we're optimistic about uh, where we're trending and, and, and heading in that direction. And I liked where you said, this is, it's very important to highlight for the listeners when you hear that. And, and you see in a small community where you guys are following, like, okay, well, the, the, they're always hiring. Well, they're always hiring. Like, what's going on here? Well, Okay, step back and you see Fargo, Bismarck PD, Minots, Williston's across the state, the region. It really is. Um, there's a broad paintbrush uh, that goes into right. that conversation. Right. And so. it's competitive out there. We lost an officer to Minot here this year into Bismarck. So it's, it's, it's a little competitive out there. And, and the, you know, the other thing, the other side of the coin then too is, and, and our former chief, uh, uh, Chief Dossinger, said it many times. We could be full to staff tomorrow if we wanted to be. And we, we have enough applicants of that sort coming through the door. But we continue to maintain a high level of expectation for our incoming recruits. And so, so we haven't gone to the extremes of some of these other you know, metro areas around the nation that have been lowering standards constantly and just picking up anybody off the street. We still hold that high standard uh, for, to get through the door here. So it is, it's a little bit tougher to get on with us. But in the long run, it, it, it's benefiting the citizens of Dickinson. It's benefiting everybody that's out there working. Um, we, we, don't, we don't have these questionable people with, with questionable values and morals um, that don't represent um, you know, the North Dakota spirit. We, we just don't hire them on. So we'd rather work short, per se, and I think the guys on the street are still like that, too. Um, we, we'd rather get the best and the brightest, and we have been. I mean, the applicant pool hasn't been big, but we've had some diamonds in the rough uh, yes, recently yeah. with, with some of these recent hires. It's, um, and so it's, you see these guys on, on calls out in the street, and you just, you just have that sense of pride. So if you do see that you know, baby blue patch on scene, you definitely know that that officer's been extremely vetted. They're extremely talented, and, and we're extremely fortunate to have them here. Yeah, no, that's a nice plug, Mike. Nice plug. The uh, another one that I think maybe is trending as we do this recording today. We just came to, came out of a conversation. Uh, is a regional wide active shooter threat uh, that's been taking place as part of what will just a, a ploy scam, uh, false uh, false information that's being called into nine one one centers, and so been working with uh, some entities around the state on that and some uh, how they've been handling it, and us ourselves been working uh, very tightly with the school district in, in our response to that, if that does in fact come to our community. But got a lot of texts over the last couple of days, people concerned about things that were hitting social media, and uh, we're on it. Uh, we're paying attention mm-hmm. to it. And uh, I know, Mike, with your uh, communication division there, um, they're, um, they're, they're prepared for if in fact 
that does happen here. Sure. And when instances like these happen, I mean, just just for the public knowledge up here, every state, I'm pretty sure every state uh, in the nation now has some sort of what we call a fusion center. So it's an intel center, um, usually operated by the state uh, at, at some level. And all these agencies um, you know, provide data to them. So, and then in, in the same in the same vein, they actually turn around and provide information back to all of our all of our agencies, so we're all kind of all on the same page. So when this uh, when this hoax uh, happened yesterday, um, thankfully it was it didn't didn't affect it didn't hit uh, our side of the state. It was mainly uh, I think towards the east, Fargo, Grand Forks. Williston Jamestown. got one. Williston, oh, Williston did get one. Williston okay. did, yeah. Um, so we prepped our staff on it. We still respond. Um, uh, obviously, we have to take these serious. Uh, but this threat in particular was very reminiscent. If if you, if any any of the listeners uh, remember the the DSU bomb threat that we had two, three months ago here yeah, during the summer, uh, very, very similar in nature. So uh, it sounds like maybe a foreign accent type, type of thing. So I, I don't know if the extended vehicle warranty guys are getting bored, but right. uh, this, <laughs> it's, it's, it, I mean, this is beyond, um, I mean, uh, all the chaos that it causes and, and, and obviously it makes the parents worry, but um, we have to take it serious and we, and we continue to do so. And hopefully we can uh, get this information up to federal partners for prosecution. Yeah, and to a certain lesser degree, holiday season here, scams, scams, scams. You know, there's going to be a massive increase in packages and different things throughout the mail. Uh, the porch pirating that we've seen over the last two years here um, has, has come through with ebbs and flows and trends. And we would just ask this episode hits you guys that you guys are on top of that. Um, through, there's a variety of ways out there for some personal safety, but having those items shipped maybe to areas where you know people are going to be able to receive them, uh, your ring door camera settings, you know, turned on, turned up. Uh, there's a there's a plethora of ways you guys can go about that and think, um, you know, uh, during this course of time to avoid being a victim in it. But hey. You got a great community, but uh, always good to be vigilant. And a good plug, maybe for the for the uh, neighbors app that that Ring offers. So if you do have a, a Ring product, you uh, uh, you can integrate uh, your you can share your surveillance video. In fact, I saw one the other day. Uh, some getting a bike stolen from their driveway. Are you a Ring customer? I'm a Ring customer. Okay. Yes. So uh, it works really well. And if you don't have a Ring product, you can still sign up for uh, this app. And uh, not only does Ring push out uh, notices, we at the department level push out notices. So if there's uh, a suspect or you know you know vandalism spree coming on we can push that information and for those ring customers uh, we'll ask you to check your your footage to see if there's anything that you could help us with and and it's an easy share back to us uh, to to retain that evidence but if if you don't have a ring product you'll still get that notification so you're aware of what's happening in your neighborhood highly recommend to download that yeah yeah we've had really good luck in the past with uh, catching some of those videos and certain inside the application for neighbors who are sharing things with each other on suspicious activity that may not necessarily be reported to the Dickinson Police Department. Um, our our guest today can and maybe tell a few stories, I'm not sure, but uh, we've intercepted and saw videos that are posted out there that have led us to other cases that uh, have been reported. Um, All it takes is just that one tip, and yeah. it, it, it solves the case. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. And um, goes into, you know, holiday season. We've talked the weather change and stuff. This is a uh, some, some coverage we're going to be doing on uh, here in the next several weeks is in preparation for our upcoming RV ordinance. And so that's a November 1st through March 1st. Yep. November 1st through March 1st, making sure that you have your RVs that are parked on the street, uh, boats, campers, trailers, make sure to get those off the street here. Uh, first part of November. Um, and the whole concept behind that is, I mean, if, if uh, there, there was an example, it certainly was last year, um, bigger snowstorms or 
you know, consistent snowstorms. Uh, we start sending our plows down the road, and if we have to go around those parked vehicles, now we got one berm, and then the next snowstorm we got a bigger berm, and now that street's virtually impassable, and yeah. it's really tough to get those dug out. So just uh, get those off the street. Um, there, uh, we we kind of have more of an education uh, enforcement uh, effort that they usually goes out that first part, but after that, we'll you, know, you could potentially face a parking ticket for it so just uh, get those out the street yeah yeah and uh, and i think that's a nice thing to highlight there when the guys and gals are out there you know hitting on this right away they're going to try to reach out communicate and we're going to do all kinds of stuff on social media uh, mike posting and blasting out there make sure you're sharing that stuff so that everybody has a nice opportunity to uh, prepare or make whatever arrangements they need for yep. some of those things because we understand it's uh, kind of a kind of a pain yeah it is those toys, yep. but sad to put them away for the year but man, gotta gotta winterize and put them away yeah think of better exactly. times and then that's uh, maybe the last thing here. We're going to be uh, coming after and blasting the community on an upcoming food drive. The Dickinson Police Department is going to be heading up. Uh, we have our SROs and our community officers division that's going to be handling that. And so you'll see some stuff posted coming up related to donations. And we're going to be working with our local grocery stores and, uh, you know, Walmarts and things like that to bring in and hopefully feed some families for Thanksgiving. And we did this several years ago and had a lot of luck with it. It takes a little bit of work, but that's going to be something coming your guys' way. And we really encourage you to stay tuned for that. And uh, hopefully we can get a good response from the community to uh, help get some um, items out there to families in need over the holiday season. Yeah, especially this year, it's going to be vitally important. I think just with the state of the economy and everything, I think there's going to be a little bit more need out there than there, there has been in years past. So uh, definitely help, help out if you can. Yeah, agreed. Well, let's, uh, without further ado, without further ado here, I think it's time. He's had enough uh, enough of a chance here to get kind of get that familiarization with the conversation. But Detective Sergeant Travis Lyons, good morning. Good morning, everyone. T-Bone. <laughs> How is, uh, how's, it, how's it feel to be in the hot seat today? It's good, good. It's highly anticipated and just uh, hopefully we'll knock it out of the park today for you guys. Yeah, we had you... Uh, you had a little chance to kind of watch a few others come through the hot seat and get a chance to kind of rock and roll and see what uh, what some of this is going to be about. We thought we'd get you first, but we're like, well, we'll give him a chance to see a few of these, <laughs> few of these other ones. Yep, I, I definitely did watch a couple just to see what I was in for. You know, um, you know, Trav, you know, Mike, you and I, we have all, all worked together for an extremely long time here, and all, now we're at a state in our careers where we are uh, – quote-unquote, the old dogs, a smidgen in some of the conversations, which I look at as a good thing, uh, not a negative connotation on it. But I uh, tell a few of the listeners right now that are paying attention and watching this uh, about Travis and born and raised and, and all that jazz. Well, born in Dickinson, grew up in Gladstone um, through my uh, whole childhood and then uh, attended Dickinson Public Schools, probably middle school, graduated Dickinson High School here in two, uh, 1996. And then from there, moved on, just kind of did some road construction, then from road construction worked at TMI in town here. And then in 2005, I was hired on as a police officer here at the Dickinson Police Department. But So did you guys, uh, were you on a farm? Did you guys have a farm or anything in Gladstone or no, in town? No, it was just in town, yeah. Um, I think when I was living there, it was maybe two to 300 people, okay. I think is population i'm not sure what it is now but gotcha. i'm sure it's grown a little bit but not not too much yeah and you attended dickinson public schools yeah yeah from uh, seventh grade to graduation gotcha so the uh got some you got some some brothers uh brother in the area here sister in the area here yep. so the whole family's yep. got some roots yep. and 
Is that, is that kind of your passion for staying in Dickinson and, and being a part of it? How did that play out for you, choosing the Dickinson Police Department? Well, so back when I first got introduced to the department was the Citizens Police Academy. Uh, there was a, a friend of ours that was attended it, and they were doing a recruitment at the mall. And she asked me if I wanted to sign up, and I was like, yeah, why not? And see what it, see what it is. Uh, obviously, if the listeners or viewers are not familiar, it was a 12-week program. We did it every Tuesday, an hour long. Sometimes it went a little longer. Uh, they had guest speakers come in, obviously, like through the patrol, task force, SWAT, and just different uh, entities within the department. And so while doing this, uh, they started the ride-along program. I was at first, I was kind of, oh, it's kind of sketchy. I was like, oh, let's see what this is. And uh, that was actually my life sentence right there because <laughs> I just became addicted to it. And then once I got a little deeper and I was like, okay, I need more. Just need more, need more, need more. Then uh, at the time, Sergeant Dan Brown uh, was doing a talk and he was, he was overseeing the reserve program. And I'm like, okay, well, let's, let's look at this and see how this is going. And uh, so I applied for that, got on. Um, obviously, the program's no longer here, but uh, started doing that. And again, just needed that fix, needed more, needed more, and applied a couple times. And uh, I got turned down. Uh, but again, I was like, I was persistent. And I was like, this is what I, this is what I want. So I'm going to go for it and go a little harder. So I actually started my degree, uh, with that criminal justice degree. And through one of my, I had a business, uh, the administrative part of it. And at the time, chief, uh, I think it was Gary uh, Banyai, I was the chief and he was just retiring, just walking out the door. He's cleaning out his office. And I came in and they're like, well, how about Lieutenant Chuck Rommel? He oversaw the investigative division. I was like, sure. I was like, I never met Chuck before. Uh, And I was like, all right. So we sat down and we had a nice talk and he asked me what my goals and plans were and what I've done so far. And, I was like, yeah, keep going, keep trying. And uh, one day I looked in the paper and saw he just became chief. And as I was reading the paper, like 15 <laughs> minutes later, he, he called me back and asked me if I still wanted a job. Really? Yeah. Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it was kind of a, a, an ironic start from, to my career. Um, so, again, I started in April 2005 and I attended the Academy in Bismarck. And coming out... Uh, I uh, did that for about, I did patrol for about five years. Then obviously got introduced to the investigative world. I went through uh, training. Uh, I was on crime scene stuff and uh, collection, evidence collection. And again, <laughs> it became an addiction to me. And I was like, all right, this is what I want. And this was during a transition time when uh, the former chief, uh, Dossinger, was a captain. And that's when uh, Josiani was, those two became captains. And there was some movement. And I was patiently waiting. I was kind of a pest, if some people would tell you, because uh, I, I wanted to get back to investigations. And then they're like, oh, okay, okay, we'll keep you in mind. And uh, so, you know, with other people telling me, hey, just make sure to start doing your own casework, just start being better in what you do. And so I took that advice to heart and I started. And then they said, hey, we got a spot open investigations for you. I'm like, great. They're like, but would you be interested in doing internet crimes against children? And I was like, mm. <laughs> let me think on that. I wasn't sure what the whole program was. Um, they're like, this is what it is. And I'm like, mm, I don't know if that's my cup of tea. Uh, so I accepted. And then uh, 2010, and around, I think, October-ish, I think is when I 
got introduced and uh, put back into investigations. Um, and I've been back there ever since. Who was your first ride along with when you had that ride along? Who was it, Roy? Oh, that's really testing my memory. That I guess I could. <laughs> I, I, remember, guess, can't remember I, I can't say. I honestly don't remember. I remember uh, definitely riding with. Uh, yeah, what, what are some of the details from that that you remember seeing? Not the highlights of that night or anything, but uh, I just remember going around. It was usually a night shift uh, when we did it, and I, I think uh, Amanda McNamee, who used to work here, was one of them I rode with. Uh, there was, I think, Brian Koskovich, Chris Coates, all former and past employees of here. But again, uh, any highlights? I, there's nothing that really sticks out at me. Uh, it's, maybe it was just the utter fear and excitement <laughs> <laughs> being in the car. And then you mentioned the reserve program. What what did that look like? Obviously, we don't have the reserve right. program here, but what, what was that all about? So you were issued uniforms. We'd, uh, on special events, we'd obviously suit up and uh, go work parades, and you could ride along. They had, uh, I think, six, I can't remember, six, eight hours was required, I think, per month or whatever it might have been. I don't know exactly on that, uh, but... You could, uh, you weren't issued a firearm, but you could bring your own firearm once qualified and uh, vetted for that. And then obviously you're just like a secondary officer in the seat. Uh, I still remember a couple times. Uh, it was actually uh, Amanda McNamee. I was on ride along with her, and uh, we had did a traffic stop and actually approached the car and prevented the one guy said he was going to run, but then ended up seeing me, and mm. he just stayed in the car, and he ended up getting arrested. But... So a couple of those highlights and stuff. Uh, there's some fun times because, you know, obviously we would go to party calls and everything else just like a normal officer. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it, was, it, was, it was always nice having that extra set of eyes out there. I remember Trav riding with me a couple yeah. many, many a times and, and just having that extra person to talk to in the middle of the night. Too. Yeah. And so, Keep yeah, you awake. Yeah, and I think I think the, the whole reason we had to go away from the reserve, I think there was uh, some more requirements that our department right. really wasn't in a position to be able to, some training uh, requirements that we just didn't, didn't have the time uh, and upkeep to be able to keep that program going. So that, that kind of faded by the wayside. But Yeah, there's some agencies that are resurrecting. You know, some things have yep. changed in the state to uh, kind of incentivize those programs. We haven't necessarily uh, taken a hard look at exploring it, just not not at that point, I guess you would want to say. Exactly, yet. yeah. But definitely has been something that's been brought up just in passing. Yeah, although the Citizens Police Academy, i got to get a plug in here for that really quick, too. We're going to really try here in the spring. We Every year that we uh, try to get it, we, COVID got, got it mixed up. But yeah, we've always had a really good group of people in there, and it's obviously garnered attention. And, and sometimes we've cultivated uh, yeah, officers off of that. Uh, LaShawn Pickstock, he was, he, he was one that we – end up uh, getting hopefully a life or cop out of there and and uh yeah so hopefully hopefully in the spring of 2023 here we'll, we'll be starting that up again yeah just a great thing our community relations in general get the good people yep. in there and i think uh, i'm thinking about you know your timeline here and you know the age and the old dogs reference i talked about earlier and i think you and and mikey you guys were working on the same night as the horrific or the legendary tornado Is that right i was right behind him yeah yep. yep. so the cameras the video you usually watch is I believe it was from my camera, but I th- or vice versa, you might have been behind. Yeah, it was me. my 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 camera, my car. And you were I was behind. in front. Uh, yeah, you were in front. Yeah, yeah. It was, so yeah, yeah the, that's so, right. Yeah, the video yeah. you're watching is from Lieutenant Hannell's camera, watching my yeah. the rear of my squad car. And that video we have actually uh, is it on our uh, Facebook? page? Yeah, it's on our Facebook site? page. I'll probably b-roll it over over as we kind of talk about that night. And what do you remember about? Yeah, so it was uh, July. 8th, 2009. 2000, 789, yeah, yep. 789 tornado. What do you remember about that night? So, actually, it's very vivid because uh, it was actually, well, not Lieutenant Hannell, but uh, Dusty Dossinger was our sergeant that night. 
and we heard about the weather coming in and so obviously we posted on several different locations within dickinson just kind of spotting and seeing if we could watch for funnel claws and do whatever and then uh, we ended up getting dispatched to a fight call up by uh the old american state bank then uh, dusty and i went up there and actually there was no fight at all and the weather started moving in pretty hard so him and i went under the old awning at american state bank and then uh, all of a sudden we got dispatched to uh, 7th street southwest there and about a roof being ripped off uh, from a tornado so we obviously all went down and it was hailing it was super windy and barely could see What's the first, uh, what you're feeling when you hear 7th Street Southwest at that time for the listeners? A little context there. Oh, that was where I lived, yeah. just right right in that area. So I was obviously white-knuckling it down there, and we went down there past TMI, and that's where I think our video really starts playing and stuff and where you're watching it. And then we went down by the, there was old church down there, um, driving by that, member, seeing that bricks laying down, everything just uh, laying to the ground and water shooting out the side. And I actually drove through a, a downburst. And as I was going through it, my car stopped. And I was kind of baffled of why my car just stopped. But when the downburst came through, uh, there's power lines right uh, on my windshield. And I didn't know I hit them until, like, obviously that uh, cleared up and ripped a light bar off my top of my car. And there's some pretty good damage to the car. And it's very memorable sure well there's there's some some more stuff there because then uh, once once that stops and you get out because i think in i mean in what, what's going on in your mind at that time when you're heading down there and all this thing kind of dissipates a smidgen obviously the family was my right directly on my mind and obviously everybody else as well but uh, uh one of my life lessons do not do this do not try this at home uh, but again, wasn't thinking of myself. Um, the down power lines, uh, we had like probably there's like two inches of rain on the road, and I actually went through them to try to get. And I ran to my house because I was determined to get there. So luckily for me, um, again, don't don't do this. Don't, don't take my <laughs> don't do as I do. But uh, um, thankfully that, that that night I made it through there. Don't run through water with live power lines. <laughs> they were dead, check. but yeah. I I just didn't take the time or I wasn't thinking of me i guess yeah there's there's always that one policy that that, that shows up uh, later on in the policy books and everybody gets named that policy yeah. as, and it's usually big sure. bold letters do not yeah, yeah. See, that would that be was mine. A travis lines policy <laughs> that, right that there. would be mine <laughs> well, obviously we're lucky we're being able to laugh about some of that there but i'm sure for you it had to, it had to be a very uh, uh very emotional uh, traumatic moment yeah. you know knowing that your family was down yeah. there and yeah. and they were fine when you got there the listeners are going to yeah. want to know the house and everything couple hail dents and one little chip in my window and that was the extent of it yeah of course yeah. the neighbor across the street had a camper thrown up against their house so i mean it was everything up to the left and to the right and to the further east uh had some extensive damage so yeah, I, mean, I, I did get lucky to the north one block houses yeah. removed from the yeah. foundation mm-hmm. yeah. people were in and uh, uh yeah, it was. And, and leading up to that, I mean, it, I, I specifically remember this was like days in advance they were forecasting this. I, I haven't seen it uh, before that, and I haven't seen it since on, on the weather cast. You know, they were forecasting mm-hmm. uh, yeah, days in advance that they were, were in this, this uh, heightened area of, of severe activity. Um, I remember uh, uh, the emergency manager at the time, Brent Pringle, we had conference calls almost daily with the National Weather Service, and they were saying the same thing. Like, and it was forecasting right for our area so for that for for that forecasting be it that accurate was was pretty amazing but i think that also credited probably to why we didn't have a loss of life that night in fact i think we only had 
what, one or two injuries, but that was all from like post storm cleanup. So it wasn't actually from from the storm itself. It was just amazing. That's your plug for the weatherman that's always called the liar. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> I think we also had a, a report of a funnel cloud by the golf course or somewhere out there. I, I yep. And I think that's what put us on high alert and posted. Uh, so we were watching yep. for that weather uh, to come in. So let's, um, some, some of the nitty gritty, you know, you've had a long time in, in criminal investigations and you kind of worked your career progression, obviously, uh, as you got into investigations and, and now oversee investigations. Um, and you and I, we have a, you know, a lot of intimate stories. Obviously, we shared a lot of time together over our career, about 14 years together in investigations directly on a day to day with case involvement and stuff. So uh, in my own head, I was thinking about how many of these I wanted to dive back into, and but I figured I'm going to talk uh, through your perspective and lens on, um, you know, how, how is investigations, the current state of investigations and how you've seen investigations evolve over your career. Uh, can you talk about any of that? Yeah, right now um, we, in our division for the listeners and who's not familiar with the department, uh, we have the four investigators, myself, uh, criminal intelligence analyst and a task force officer. That's who's all in our division right now. And really the progressions and the changes within our division and really anywhere is a technology. Um, from when I first started, everything was, I still remember doing reports, like accident reports, and then I actually have to drawing them by hand. So technology has really changed um, society and our division and department really as a whole. But uh, that's probably the most uh, advanced change, I guess, within our division, yeah. but... Are you seeing? Have you seen that as uh, more beneficial or more detrimental um, to the case investigations as as time has went? Both. Yeah. It technology is great when it works, but when it doesn't work, it's a hurdle. I mean, it's and it's just like anywhere else. You know, it's great. We you know we always encourage businesses to have security cameras and everything like that. But the bad thing is when they're down, they're down. You're back to square one. But uh, with Technology now, it's been a lot easier to link some of those old cases or finding them or just gathering evidence for them. Uh, now that you look at the, the geofence warrants and stuff, those leaps and bounds from 10 years ago when stuff like that wasn't readily available. So when you had a burglary, it's like, all right, where do I go? So you go back to the old school. Maybe for those that don't uh, aren't familiar with what a geofence warrant is, could you explain yeah. that a little bit in detail for them? Well, so it's a Google and through Google accounts, uh, and they can go to iOS as well as long as there's some Gmail or YouTube uh, link to there. Uh, they essentially the within I think about half inch or whatever it is. Uh, it's satellite driven versus. Uh, cellular or like a tower there is some discrepancies with those but uh, it, essentially wherever you go it's, it's tracking i mean it's your finding, cell phone yeah yeah your cell phone and it's usually by uh, what we call a user id number and then the user id number or device id number is associated with the cell phone and the user or subscriber and when we get these warrants we can narrow it down to where our crime occurred and then we can just find out what user ids were with in that area then obviously there's obviously secondary and potentially third warrants that we need to get and acquire to uh, put those other pieces of puzzle together 
I remember vaguely, uh, you know, Congressman Kelly Armstrong on one of the first couple of podcasts when we were talking about geofencing and and even just just kind of saying that out loud. I, I think some citizens may feel oh, that that's, that's a that's a lot of information, you know, potential for privacy. It, pri- exactly right. So, and you mentioned warrants a couple times. So, what's what? I walk through like a warrant process. What yeah. what's exactly required? Because we can't just arbitrarily no. go and say, hey, we think this person did it. Uh, and, and, and just go dump their data. What is required on our end in order for law enforcement to get involved? So obviously it's the whole probable cause thing. You know, once we respond to a burglary or whatever the case uh, incident was, uh, when we go there, we have to have the probable cause, the reasons why we believe something happened or what actually did happen when we apply for those uh, search warrants through the courts. And if the state's attorneys read it, they'll read our declarations now, and they'll be like, okay, yep, yep, and they'll send it up to the judge, and the judge will say, yes, you definitely have enough probable cause here that a crime has been committed, and those would be sent off to whatever the company or business, whatever it is, and then they will comply with that warrant. And if there's more information needed, obviously we need subsequent warrants to garner that information. So, it's yeah, it's just like... People don't hand this stuff out freely. I mean, the private user definitely has privacy, and they honor that, and they're very, very, very strict on what's released. I mean, if it's not in our warrant, they do not give it to us. So, I mean, it's it's very protected. So hopefully nobody gets that uh, false sense of, like, hey, we just are out snooping and get, right. getting everybody's information because it's just not true. I mean, we ha- it, there's a lot of steps and loops we got to go through. If you were to guess how many cases have been that, – that's been crucial – uh, even even recently or in the last couple of years, can you even put a number to how much geofencing has been like the crucial piece to, to cracking a case open? So I us? think we, in-house maybe, I think we've done four or five of them um, on different cases. So I, I don't know if that's the exact number, but I, think, I believe it's about four or five. And pretty serious cases too? or yeah, Burglaries, yeah. um, stuff like that. Um, and I don't know if it's anything outside of burglaries, but uh, they're predominantly are for burglaries and uh, mm armed robberies or whatever they were. Sure. I, I think um, Representative Armstrong had, uh, had spun it up uh, in one scenario as, you know, he looks at it in our context of, um, um, you know, our numbers and our populace in a certain area and the chances, you know, you're going to get maybe a few uh, identifications out of that area. That's mm-hmm. admittingly is what it is. And then, but you go into the same uh, block in a metropolitan area, of course, you're looking at, you know, probably exponentially more hundreds or thousands within that same area there. So trying to draw a little bit of context between the two and, and uh, justifying, obviously, the position that they have is the conversation surrounds them, highly contentious. But the other elements, um, you know, up here, I think it's good, you know, you, the Internet crimes against children thing. You smiled as you, you went through that facet of your uh, getting on in your career, getting into yep. it in your career. Uh, I think you've been around the community a lot, and some of these people that are watching this may have had you in front of them for some presentations and some talks. And I would just say, you know, there there was a period of time in there where, you know, when we were working together where Travis was probably the number one, number two guy in the state related to Internet crimes against children cases, and that is completions, arrests, and stuff like that. Uh, so got a lot of familiarity with them. Let's talk about these for the community. They really enjoy uh, hearing or learning more about them. Yeah, so when I first started, uh, I think 2011 is when I got certified. There's a two-step process of uh, becoming certified under the Internet Crimes Against Children. 
and the last one was the undercover chat operations and when i after completion uh, my first year i think i arrested 12 12 people uh some locals some out of state um and that's going every year and then i think from my farthest away was in south korea uh it was on a military base he was actually a chinook helicopter mechanic uh, and that one was tried and prosecuted by homeland security but they said if he wasn't going to take a deal or plead to something uh south korea was going to actually prosecute it and they said uh prepared you may have to come out here and testify uh, and i'm like all right because i i did telephonically at first through the military or the hsi but the military would have been the ones who would uh prosecuted the second one if if he wouldn't have did it what is what is internet crimes against children what is icac for the listeners so they get a background on it so it it's in all 50 states um so our hub our icac commander um is jim shaw out of bci he's in fargo but essentially what it is it's it's a task force that was uh, put together for uh internet crimes against children essentially uh so we are a proactive and reactive group. Uh, so proactive is to get undercover officers who are posing to be a minor child, uh, looking for people, obviously, to engage into conversations or disseminating pictures to minors or potentially meeting them for uh, sexual favors or whatever the case may be, uh, which is a crime. And then once that happens, they will be arrested for those various crimes. And the, the reactive section is uh, the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, they receive tips from normal people out in the community or wherever it may be. They can even be from law enforcement of um, online activity that's not appropriate for children. And it's sometimes, you know, if you hear the word sexting or whatever, but uh, they're sending images or producing child pornography and sending those. Or if we have two other people that are sending each other images, those will get flagged by different means, but, uh, and those will get sent to the ICAC commander or the ICAC uh, division, and they said, hey, we got this uh, crime that occurred in Cincinnati and Dickinson. So the ICAC commander or the, whoever their delegate is will say, this is in this jurisdiction. We have ICAC affiliates there, and then we send it to them. So, How has the uh, underage uh, illegal imagery changed over time? How have you seen that uh, to help our parents and guardians out there? It's, well, again, we go back to technology and how young uh, we're putting technology in our children's hands. Uh, so from cases I've seen from eight years old, obviously all the way up. Um, so it is becoming more prevalent, especially in like in our high schools. Um, you know, when we do talks there, a lot of those kids are like, you know, it's my body and I can do what I want. They really don't grasp and understand what they're doing is actually a criminal offense. And it's actually an A felony to produce child pornography so that's why we're really trying to get the educational aspect out there and saying, hey, what you guys are doing right. is not correct. It's not okay. Um, no matter what somebody tells you or society is trying to tell you, criminally it's not not okay. But it is becoming a lot easier because obviously technology advances. Everyone has it, so it's just a push of a button. Uh, so we see it so sometimes it's weekly. So that's an unfortunate part about it. And then when you open it up to obviously the Internet, that that's Cross jurisdictional boundaries, we have we have issues with that. So how have how has that changed your roles a little bit? Yeah. So one, again, you know, again, once we tell these kids, once you hit send, it's out there, it's gone forever, and there's no take backs. Um, and so again, once these people are 
transferring child pornography or doing or going cross state lines, you know, you become we get a federal nexus into the the crimes. So uh, those can be prosecuted at the U.S. Attorney's Office versus our, our local jurisdiction here, and those are being flagged really by a hash set or photo DNA. Um, so that'll probably be a whole nother conversation, <laughs> but, uh, well, maybe just real quick though, how, maybe how so, that works. So hash sets, you know, they're essentially a fingerprint of a video or picture. So, um, once we identify known child pornography, mm-hmm. they could send to Nick Mick and they create, uh, um, a category for it. And then they have that hash set or whatever the, which is unique to e- each, each picture. picture. Yep. Unless uh, a pixels changed or colors changed or resized, then it, changes the the hash set but um those are entered in as known child pornography so when a forensic examiner uh like myself or somebody else who's uh went through the training it it will trigger that and say hey this is a known series or this is a known picture um so we know and we can arrest and charge accordingly to those pictures or videos and then photo dna it just goes on gradients it was actually developed by microsoft so when these people would change a picture or resize it or change it and do whatever obviously change the hash set but the photo dna would still recognize it and say hey yes this is actually uh, this image of that belonged to this series how many cases uh, right now about a year on average are we getting from nick mick sent that are relevant to our jurisdiction just a rough <sighs> rough number it, it's like a roller coaster sometimes you go through a drought and then this past month uh another detective samantha Oki, corporal detective samantha Oki, myself uh, we probably got close to eight within a month. Eight, uh, yeah, that, that are just, relevant to our jurisdiction that yep. we that we have to follow through, yep. assign, and and kind of validate to a good degree. Do we have something here? Yep, all within Dickinson. Yeah, yeah. It's, the other one here, I think, that related to this topic is in in the last month, um, some of the underage illegal imagery and scams, and mm-hmm. how that's fell onto some juveniles' laps. Can you kind of tell a few of those reports we've got? Those stories, just in general. Yep, and I, and I guess classification we call it sextortion, um, and it kind of there's two parts to it. Um, so it, adults and minors have fallen to this scam, and uh, so is what happens. They'll meet somebody on Facebook, Snapchat, wherever it may be. They'll go in and start conversing, and they'll say, "Oh, how old are you?" They're like, if let's just say it's a minor, it's like I'm 16. Well, I am two. You know, why don't you show me a picture of yourself? And then they start exchanging pictures. Now, starts off as a normal picture, like, "Hey, just show me a live shot, a screenshot of yourself." And then once they have that, then they start exchanging uh, nude images. And then from there, that's kind of when the scam really takes hold. Um, now they start threatening them, saying hey, if you don't send me this much money or do this, I will put this on your Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, whatever it may be. Put it on your live feed, YouTube, and I will embarrass you and show everyone what you were doing. Uh, and those, uh, it seems like once a week again. Um, and they're really upticking. Uh, so we're just encouraging, obviously, if it's a minor, please don't talk to strangers um, and just avoid uh, falling into that because uh, it is a slippery slope and then again once we get those cases it goes back to going to nick mick and getting those identified and those kids identified in the system as known child pornography so and and is it's kind of a, a horrible scam 
what's the limitations for us on those cases? You know, as great as the technology can be and, yeah. and just, just bounces back and forth like a pinball, people yeah. wonder yeah. about, you know, let's find out who these people are and, and who's doing yeah. this. Talk to them about the limitations and yeah, difficulties. So obviously, some of the difficulties we face uh, as investigators uh, when we get these crimes is, A, it's going to be on Snapchat now. There are certain limitations of everything, but Snapchat will provide us and do. Um, but they, a lot of times they're on proxy servers, which makes it really hard uh, to track them down. They're using voice over IP phone numbers for these type of th- crimes. And a lot of times, you know, when we see them, they're going overseas, which kind of really stops the investigation because there's no counterparts. And you use that reference proxy, uh, the proxy servers yeah. and those uh, voice over IPs. Yeah. These are distraction techniques by yeah. the criminals mm-hmm. yeah. that they implore to uh, chase to throw us off, throw the trail. us off yeah. down yeah. rabbit holes and stuff, yeah. which make it. It's like you said, the rabbit hole, and just try to track them down because uh, depending on what the dark web or whatever they're using, I'm, I'm not sure exactly what mm-hmm. the suspects are on, uh, but there are several facets out there that they can use to cloak their identities. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, so as as crazy cool as it can be to help us solve stuff, it can be that much uh, frustrating for us. Right. <laughs> this goes back to techn- technology is a blessing and a curse at the same time. As far as like like investigative powers, um, obviously you have a certain title that that's never uh, been held by a Dickinson police officer before. You want to? How does that uh, uh, kind of pair up with what we're talking about here? So along with the Internet Crimes Against Children, uh, in 2019, I was federally deputized uh, with the FBI uh, with a Violent Crimes Against Children Task Force. And what that allows us to do is within House and other agencies, if they have cases that meet this federal nexus, I can take that and I can sponsor the case, take it up to the U.S. Attorney's Office, and we can get it federally prosecuted uh, versus just a, a state or local charge which some of these cases, you know, like they carry 15 to 20 minimum mandatory sentences, uh, which hit a lot harder than, you know, whatever our C felony or B felony cases would get uh, five to 10 years. So because I'm sorry. So in years past, we, if we would have something that we felt met a, a federal piece of criteria, yeah. we would, we would actually have to go find like an FBI agent and, and usually that's Bismarck Fargo or yeah. whatnot. But now, and, and I did work closely with uh, with them along with Homeland Security. Um, uh, I won't mention his name just to yeah. say that, but uh, <laughs> a phenomenal guy. Uh, he was a great asset, uh, and he always was willing to help us, and uh, we took many cases up through him. Um, but uh, So, yeah, but now we have that capability as well. So, How many do you think over the course of your career directly as the assigned case agent, uh, the Internet Crimes Against Children, how many do you think that have led to criminal charges? If you had to give a uh, for the listener, so including like our luring cases, uh, child pornography arrests, I l- actually lost count. I think it was over forty. Yeah, uh, forty. It's forty plus. I know for sure. Sure, sure. That's you know, and you're a father. Obviously, you had a beautiful young family and stuff. Mm-hmm. How, how how have you uh, managed that? Just as a as a human being, and you know, carrying this yeah. badge over time, how has that been something you've been able to sustain? So. Um, and I'm sure if there's any other uh, ICAC officers out there that are watching this or listening to this, is uh, the biggest thing is don't identify the victims you're seeing because a lot of them were at the same age as like when my kids were. Mm-hmm. Is don't try to put those two pieces together, and uh, so a very, you know, keep it uh, keep those separated and just it, it's it is tough uh, because yeah. there's some things that you see in here that 
no person should see or hear. Yeah. And it's well, very tough on a person. Yeah. I, I don't even think of those other ICAC operators in the sense. I just think of the moms and the dads, you know, yeah. we've talked to and that have brought this up in some of those presentations about like, you know, oh my gosh, you know, they, they hear one story and uh, they, they don't know, like I said, the ones that you've dealt with and mm-hmm. or the other detectives, which we're talking hundreds, hundreds. And then you get into the details of imagery and yeah. all this different stuff. So I, uh, I think it's, I, I, I go down this hole with you, Trav, because it's a testament to obviously your fortitude and resilience over time and passion yeah. and gen- being genuinely authentic about loving something or wanting to do something and how far you can go with it when you actually yeah. are, are passionate about it. And, you know, as what you guys are familiar with the terminology, but some may not, but the vicarious trauma. Um, so those things you have to watch out and for. And I guess, you know, with, with for me, personally speaking, uh, this is, again, me, uh, not everybody else. This is my faith. This is my foundation. Yeah. And that is what I believe is what's carried, uh, well, not me, but it's what's carried me through um, and allowed me to be able to do this for the community and for those uh, kids out there that don't have the voice uh, to speak up for themselves. Yeah, just just having that gratification of knowing that you and the one I'm thinking of in my head, and I I don't remember the gritty details of it. You might have to help me along, but I remember the uh, one of our former uh, city administrators went along to us. Um, do you remember what I'm talking yep, about here? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I don't know if that fits in with with this, but I don't know, you want to share that story. So I believe it was uh, 2017. Uh, at the time, uh, your sergeant, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, had a case. A female came in and. Uh, she was a mother, I think, if I remember correctly. Her daughter was tragically uh, killed, and, and I think it was by a sex offender, if I remember right, sexually assaulted. And, um, so she bought a storage unit, obviously, that lapsed for payment, and is what they would do is they'd go sell the electronics or whatever the other items were in there that were of value. And going through there, there were some hard drives, some cell phones, um, and they were going through them, and they found some child pornography, and... Uh, now Lieutenant Hanel, he, he gave those th- items to me and said, here, you, you want to take a look at these and see what you can do? And I was like, all right. <laughs> so kind of an overachiever, and I was kind of see what I can do. And uh, digging through them, and de- def- definitely I identified some child pornography, and then I found one image that actually looked like a produced one. So checking the EXIF or the, the metadata within the picture, I did link it to uh, Belfield, North Dakota. And obviously it was like, okay, this, now I know this is a real-life victim. Uh, so... I better do a little bit more due diligence on this one, even though it wasn't in our jurisdiction. But uh, we decided just to notify the, I, th- I believe we notified Star County and said, hey, we got this and we're just going to kind of run with it. And so I did and I ended up tracking the kids down there around the, I believe the East Coast somewhere. I can't remember the exact state right now off the top of my head, but it's like North Carolina, I believe. So they moved from Belfield to the East Coast. Yeah, and I just missed them because uh, I checked with the school, did some checking. They're like, yeah, they just left about a month or two ago. And still like, with their abuser? Yep, yep. still with the, the, the abuser at the time. Uh, we didn't know that at the time, but mm-hmm. uh, fast-forwarding, we did find out. Uh, so, okay, uh, I did, did some more checking and found out where they're living, and I reached out to the agency out there, and obviously, you know, no faults to them. They are really busy. It was kind of... You know, some time was passing, and I was like, well, it just became worried because I'm like, well, these kids are potentially still in this environment. So we ended up doing a lead out to Homeland Security out there, and that day they went out and did a knock and talk at the, the residence. Uh, the suspect was there, answered, and they identified themselves and said, hey, this is why we're here. He allowed him in and allowed him to look through his electronics, and they found more uh, production of child pornography and other images, so they arrested him. And uh, 
he was arrested, brought to jail, and then they did uh, the child advocacy center. They did the forensic interviews, um, and it was uh, pretty horrific. There's two sons, uh, two boys in there that were being heavily abused by this guy, um, and right actually the day before his uh, uh, the, the advocacy, the forensic interview, he actually he took his own life in jail. So it was it was a pretty horrific case. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that is a hell of a story. And then yeah, we we had uh, after after we found the you know, the that that these children had been rescued, we reached. You know, that's yeah, when, when you and I yeah, and the yeah. city ministry went back out, reached out to yeah. this original reporting party, who's again her story was tragic as it yeah. was, but just to let her know that yeah, just her by her reporting this, you know yeah. that that this the, these they got these kids out of the environment. So yeah. the the gratification that I, I can't I can't imagine. I know what I felt that day. I can't imagine what you feel when when you yeah. when you get these 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 kids out of, out of that environment. That that would have been amazing. You know. Closing a case, they're all satisfying and fulfilling. But I guess uh, with this capacity and these uh, topics, and those are the most fulfilling for me. And uh, it'll never change, no matter if I move up or more in the in the department or not. But they'll always be there with me, and it'll always be a, a passion of mine. So hopefully, uh, we just get more people to do it because it it is kind of a tough field to get into. Yeah, yeah. So. I, and you've heard me say, I, I think that there it'll be we'll be hard pressed to see anybody for quite a long time have the same kind of positive impacts, you know, related to these types of cases and crimes as what as what you've had for the Dickinson Police Department and the community. So that's a, just another big plug for you there, man. Absolutely. Um, sit kind of nice to reflect on in conversation and think about and. Uh, great. The you know Mike may be able to put in some links or something on the screen for our listeners. Like, do you, you got some advice for some areas our our parents can go to for resources to help police yeah. these devices and yeah. their children? Again, as I uh, mentioned about Nick Mick, uh, they do. I think it's just Nick Mick doc, or National Center for Missing and Exploited Children dot org. Uh, however, it's spelled out, but they have so many resources out there. And within the, probably the next coming week or something, we'll be doing a promotional or a hype video for these uh, Internet Crimes Against Children. It'll, it'll be listed on our, hopefully on our Facebook and everywhere else. So I guess uh, stay tuned for that. That's kind of a little teaser for you guys. But again, whatever, if they're on any social media platform, there's always that report tab. So we just encourage, you know, if they see something or hear something, just... Uh, uh, to report it there and that will get to law enforcement or they can directly contact us or you know we always tell kids too is like you know go see your counselor or teachers or your pastor or whatever it may be if there's somebody that you can trust and rely on just uh make sure to go report these things so they don't go unreported sure. and, and again you know it's just a plug out to our you know badlands crime stoppers tip 411 you know if somebody has information you know they can always report with on there and so they can remain anonymous so they don't have to get uh, their names mentioned in the the report so but at least somebody is notifying us yeah. so if you haven't please go download the app uh the badlands crime stoppers tip 411 app and then uh if you get something that you want to report if it's not even to this topic uh please do so all it takes just that one tip mm-hmm. yeah I've seen it many times yeah and when we got a lot of a lot of cases that the investigative division is looking into right now what are some of the heavy things in the wheelbarrow right now that uh the detectives are trying to get through and well, so there's, we're always, there are cases as like a revolving door. There's so many cases coming in and we're closing them. But, you know, again, the season now, the scams are becoming more and more prevalent. Uh, we're seeing a lot of internal thefts and burglaries. Uh, violent crime is obviously up uh, on the rise, domestic violence, things like that, uh, aggravated assaults. Uh, but those are predominantly the, are the ones that are uh, 
taking the most time on our caseloads, but property crimes. We yeah, had a lot of property crime cases. Yeah, and, and again, as uh, Lieutenant Hell pre- preface, you know, with the society, you know, economy is the way they are. We expect to probably see those on the rise even more because, you know, people getting off, laid off of work or whatever the case, whatever their circumstance is. Uh, sometimes as a last ditch effort, uh, we see those burglaries or thefts, you know, kind of go up. And then really to throw an extra load of laundry on the event too is, is any officer we hire or any dispatcher we hire, we actually have detectives do, mm-hmm. the, do the backgrounding on it. Do you want to shed some light yeah. on that? So that's uh, usually when that hits our, our dashboard, you know, for whatever the position may be. It's, it's, it's about a two-week uh, time frame is what we try to get uh, these done in. Uh, and they're pretty, like for a patrol officer, they are very, you know, intensive and a lot of work goes into these. You know, there's all the employer references. We all go there, go to the residences, just kind of do a face-to-face with them as well. So there's a lot of stuff that goes into the, that kind of eat up an uh, investigator's time. So. What are some of the other technologies here uh, our citizens should know we we are sitting on uh, beneficial for them to we we have it to serve their needs and what we're dealing with with this technological so with the the internet crimes against children uh we we've been uh granted celebrate uh, cell phones um tablets drones it can uh forensically examine those and pretty much create a, a mirror image of that phone and uh, we have the gray key, which is allowing us access into uh, locked devices where normally we could not uh, go there and get those uh, get that information again with search warrants or consent. So we're not just going in there um, and violating people's rights. So, again, those would be gone into after search warrants were obtained. Um, and then magnet axiom is for mobile and is kind of a processing tool uh, for these devices. So this is these are, this is technology that pulls it out and yeah. allows uh, allows the trained eye to be able to sort through it and then use that data as it may be relevant yep. to the criminal investigation. Yep. Yeah. So text messages, phone calls, uh, geolocation, depending on you know, what's on the phone, is kind of what we get, and we can sift through and find out, you know, like the little breadcrumbs, and just kind of follow it and go build our case. I I think he's trying to downplay his involvement here with with uh, getting gray key, but um, Trav was able to really do some um, talking at at at, uh, at a level because gray key itself, how much is that? It's a piece of software, more more or less. And it's, yeah, it's thirty thousand a year. Yeah, it's not cheap at all, no, but it, it's no. very very vital to what we do day in and day out. But uh, how 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 did you come across it? Well, that actually, uh, when I was down at a conference down at Myrtle Beach, it was a uh, for forensic examiner cybersecurity is for civilian and law enforcement and i kind of started talking to some of the vendors down there and great key was one and after befriending them i chatted a little bit more with them and they actually introduced me to a operation underground railroad they are uh if you you can research them on the internet they combat human trafficking child exploitation uh, they receive funding from private donors um, and they help law enforcement who can't afford these tools or devices. And so they were actually the one that funded us for two years on this. Yep. So. And uh, we'll make sure to put that overlay up there because that's an amazing organization. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's a, to, be, to be able to uh, backfill uh, the funding on that, that's, that's, yeah. that's incredible. Yeah. Yep. 
we teed you up last uh, last episode with uh, obviously a big uh, case that just came to be for us. Mike just did a press release on it. I just mm-hmm. thought maybe you talk out loud. It was a really uh, neat conversation and some a couple fist bumps in there that we had when we were able to get you know criminal charges. And of course, this is a case that's pending in the, in the there's due process being had here. And so we uh, we've released a press release. There's been a criminal uh, complaint that's been signed and just allegations. But just that I think it would be nice to highlight. Uh, what that case was because many in the community do remember um, mm-hmm. obviously the coverage that we had on it and and uh, take it from there maybe so detective tiffany winter is the one that's uh, working this right now um, i think this case has changed hands three times in the investigative division uh, depending on new leads that came in or other detectives leaving the division um, but this one uh, recently came up uh, she had uh in 2021, there was a home burglary, uh, vehicle was stolen, some other things were stolen, and then end up being recovering the vehicle. Um, she did DNA swabs on it, sent it off, and then we were notified that these uh, samples that we sent off actually matched a sample that was sent by in 2016 with the armed robbery at Come and Go, which is now the Luckies on East Villard there, uh, which... I can't remember exactly the dollar amount, but um, so that one that was unsolved uh, for for many years. Then we were also notified that also in, back in 2011 in the state of Washington, that DNA profile matched an unsolved sexual assault. So it's kind of like a hat trick of cl- uh, case closures. Hopefully, um, so yeah, she's still currently, like I said, uh, working on that one. And the, um, the suspect had been uh, arrested down in the state of Washington on a, another charge and has been extradited out to North Dakota. I know a lot of people out there are so interested in the forensic side of law enforcement, and we really don't use it a lot, but when it happens, it's phenomenal how accurate it is to start with. Can you you kind of explain, you talked about swabs and stuff, how does the process go from when we collect evidence to when we get a profile, and how, how does that whole process work? So, again, depending on the crime scene and depending what we're collecting, you know, it's usually a, a fluid. Uh, and we can even do a dry rub. Um, but you just taking, uh, I guess, like a large Q-tip. It's a sterile uh, swab and just putting a little distilled water on it and then collecting whatever. If it's uh, we I've done for fingerprints, instead of actually lifting a fingerprint, I just uh, swab the oils and the stuff off the glass. Or if it's blood or urine or there's even been fecal particles that have been swabbed uh, and collected for dna purposes and then we send those off to our lab and they they run it through the system and if we do get a match or a notification of a profile match we'll be notified and we will have to get obtain another sample known sample so obviously again would be a search warrant find that suspect, get that uh, sample, send it off for confirmation. That's just by uh, FBI standards that they have to have these done and just to verify because this way there is no, you know, false accusations. And who, who actually does the, the um, sampling for us or the, the processing of it? It'd be in, we send it off to North Dakota State Lab, which is in Bismarck, North Dakota here. And then they just put that profile in the database, and if it matches yep. with, with the known, then, yep. then we get notified. And obviously, it, it, hit, it goes through a national because uh, that's how we were notified of the sexual assault in Washington because it goes in the national database. Yep. And for those that may be wondering, there is no hard timeline on a return or an answer <laughs> either. There yep. could be something that surprises you in 30 days, and this could be something yep. four years from now, yep. it seems like. And uh, we have seen those where, like, all of a sudden we'll get a letter and say, hey, we got a 
uh, confirmation hit on a sample you sent in, and we looked at the date, and it was like, oh. long time ago. Yeah, I was like, I don't remember that case, but then you have to just kind of go back in the Rolodex and find it. And that kind of fills in a little bit. We had uh, Attorney General Drew Wrigley on in the room here, and he was he was talking about that. One of his initiatives here is going to be um, trying to tackle the the backlog. In fact, I think here just the other day, uh, one of the uh, papers out out east had. Um, made some mention that obviously some sexual assault kits, which obviously have a DNA component mm-hmm. in it, have been sitting on the shelf for quite a while, not, not being able to process. The capacity at the state lab is just so limited, so that um, ho- hopefully uh, they can see a turnaround on that. Yeah, right in the middle of this biennium coming up that uh, I think we'll, we're hopeful to see some things by yeah. the end of it, according to, according to local legislators and our attorney general. Yep. You are, uh, you know, you're sitting on a lot of experience Travis, and I think a lot of times we, we don't probably sit and reflect enough on some of these little moments and these things. We get caught up in just the these shallow moments and just flowing through the day-to-day. So I'm getting your brain spinning a smidgen to think, you know, we got a lot of young men and women here with mm-hmm. us that are entering into this field and, you know, looking to make a career out of it and, you know, trying to find themselves essentially with the uniform on. What am I, what, where, where I want to go with this? How do I want to do this? I like this. I don't like this. So you factor that in for yourself. And what's, what's one piece of advice, okay, just one piece of advice you wish you had when you were a young officer, something you would echo back, something that you uh, take, send back their way? <laughs> that is going to um, You know, you've had, you've had your time on patrol and through some of these specialties and big cases, you know, juries and promotions and all this stuff. And, and we've had a lot of heart-to-hearts ourselves, yeah. you know, about different things at different times. And, you know, you... Uh, and I guess for me, and if you look at the history of what I've done and stuff, is don't close a door that's not even been opened yet. You know, something that's presented to, to you... Um, obviously be open open-minded about it and just not because again like back when i was on patrol uh i was dead set i'd never go back to investigations mm-hmm. uh never 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 and i guess just being open-minded and uh, try to be a more well-rounded uh officer or whatever the case may be is just you know explore these avenues and just make yourself better because once you do that you're only really benefiting the department because then you can wear those many hats and be where you need to be. Okay. Good. Like Good. it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, we're getting here down. Uh, we're just over an hour. I don't know, Mike, do we have anything else that we want to try to squeeze out of them while we got them here? Uh, yeah, it's, they got these opportunities that come. We might just have to have them back, though, because there's just so much There's so much other stuff that I don't, I don't think we've even scratched the surface on that, that Trav really does very well for our department and between the, you know, the public talks and stuff and being able to maybe disseminate that a little bit further on our podcast audience at some point. Um, I, yeah, we, we, yeah, you might not be off the hook just yet for part two, for, to, part two yeah. Yeah, to be continued. That's why I said that hairline is what it is. There's just so much that's filling there. <laughs> time that I'll go with that. Yeah, we'll go with that there one. you go. Yeah. But uh, we always like to finish these episodes, Trav, with a little speed cuffing. Yeah. And so you hear that in the background. Ooh. Threat yeah. fire. Yeah, a little threat <laughs> fire. And the idea here is we're, uh, once, the, once the music starts, we'll get 30 seconds. We're going to try to blast you right. with as many things as we can, and we'll see what we can get for an answer off you. And we might try to throw a couple curveballs in there just so you know. But <laughs> I'll, I'll duck. Yeah, so you feel, feel like you're ready for it here? Uh, fire away. So let's see All what right. we can do with you there. Here man. we go. All right. Favorite Bible verse? Uh, well, that's going to be a tough one. There's too many. 
What music is playing in your vehicle right now? Nothing. <laughs> Good answer. If you weren't a police officer, you would be what? Probably a carpenter. Would you rather have a dirty bathroom or a dirty kitchen? Kitchen. Person or property crime? Person. Taco Bell, six pack and a pound, or two McDonald's cheeseburgers? Oh, Taco John's. Six pack and a pound. (laughs) All right. All right. Yeah, that's good. Well, a little fun at the end there, Trav, but in in another serious moment here. Really appreciate it. Uh, You sit and you think about it. You've done a lot of great things for this community outside of this department, big picture stuff, and that's essentially what this ride is about. Mm -hmm. It's why we get into it and we want to do it. And uh, you you have done an immense, uh, immense service to the community up to this point in your career with many, many, many years left to go, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. 11, but who's counting? Yeah. As long as that leg holds up. Big knees. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, yeah. uh, Mike, do you got anything? Yeah. Um, boy, yeah, it's, uh, well, actually, I don't know, we may or may not be hiatus, because uh, yeah, we got uh, got some twins on the way here, so yes. congrats in advance if we don't uh, hit another episode between then, so that's, yeah. uh, what due date is approximately yeah, coming up here pretty soon, right? Sooner than later, I think Mama would tell you here, November, uh, just, after, just, just about Thanksgiving time, uh, we got an yeah. induction date set. Uh, but yeah, yeah, panic stricken. And th- if I get if I get on camera after this, when this is all said and done, I probably will not look the same. It's a good thing you don't have it here. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> so but congrats in advance, man. Yeah. So too, we're too happy for you. Yeah, we appreciate that. Uh, two healthy uh, baby girls. We're yeah. crossing our fingers, and that'll be joining the world. And back uh, to diaper duty. Yeah. Dipper dirty about 14 diapers a day is what it's <laughs> looking at right now but you know i appreciate that and i'm sure mama mama does too so she's doing well that's uh, good uh yeah. yeah we'll uh we'll be uh coming back at you here soon though over the holiday seasons we'll get you guys something as we head into the outro here we want to make sure you guys continue to share all this stuff apple spotify google amazon music liking the youtube channel the facebook page which we're up in that fourteen thousand plus just keeps climbing thanks to you guys that's yeah. it and so thanks a bunch guys uh, happy holidays coming up and we really appreciate everything you guys do for support yeah take care of one another yeah